Welcome to podcast number three of the 2009 Calgary Folk Music Festival series. I'm Kenna Barima. You just heard from Canadian singer-songwriter Mark Berube with Looking for Another, off his 2008 release, What the Boat Gave the River. 
This podcast features a rather interesting discussion with Mark about his music, Paul Simon, colonialism, and the end of the world. Mark Berube and the Patriotic Few will be on the island this year for the Calgary Folk Music Festival July 23rd to 26th. Mark Berube is an interesting character to be sure. I was doing some poking around about him on the internet the other day, and I read that we had an affinity in our love for Paul Simon. In a National Post article for Canadian Music Week in March of last year, Mark was asked, what was the first album he ever bought, and does he still listen to it? And he said Paul Simon's Graceland, that he still listened to it, and that Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes still gets him every time. I remember, on my ninth birthday, I was in the throes of loving that album. My mom listened to it all the time, and we always had it on the stereo. And for musical chairs, for my birthday, instead of Corey Hart and Glass Tiger, we played Graceland. I asked Mark uh, what it was about Paul Simon that he loved. I was curious because, also in my research, I found out that he'd actually spent much of his youth in Swaziland. What I found out was that we have our parents to blame for many things. And in Mark's, in my case, it's Paul Simon. From a very young age, we had, you know, I think their, yeah, their wedding song was Bridge Over Troubled Water. Aww. So we've had, you know, Paul Simon's early stuff was definitely around the house a lot as a kid, and, you know, Sound of Silence and all those early tunes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. And then when we moved to Swaziland, we got into a lot of South African music and the jazz and, uh, and the pop music as well. And then Graceland came out. And we already knew Hugh Masekela, we knew Ladysmith Black Mombazo, and it was actually Lady, uh, Hugh Masekela, if I understand correctly, that introduced Ladysmith Black Mombazo to Paul Simon. He must have kind of became quite known in the jazz circles in the 1960s, I guess. In 1987, Hugh Masekela had a huge hit single with Bring Him Back Home, which became an anthem for the movement to free Nelson Mandela. You're listening to it now. But let's get back to Graceland. That album came out, and it was the first time I had seen uh, a Westerner, be a North American or European, you know, that did something with South African artists. And not just the, like a Peter Gabriel compilation or... You know, Johnny Clegg did a lot of stuff too, but he, he was South African, but mm-hmm. it was still that kind of Western mix. But Paul Simon just came out with that album, and, you know, the songs in the beginning, you know, you hear a couple of songs, you don't give a shit who did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Songs, that's the most important thing, but then you go, you dig a little deeper and see all those other levels, and that just, uh, that was sold from the beginning. Homeless, homeless, Graceland can be said to be the album that brought the music of South Africa to millions of people around the world. But interestingly enough, one of the things that still haunts Graceland to this day are the accusations of musical colonialism. Album's creation, South Africa was in the final years of an apartheid regime, and Simon faced accusations that he had broken the cultural boycott imposed by the rest of the world. He apparently took a lot of flack for going to Johannesburg to work and record with the musicians that he did. As it turned out, though, 
Simon found support in the United Nations Anti-Apartheid Committee, who said that the album showcased the talents of black South African musicians, while offering no support to the South African government. In a national public radio interview with Elizabeth Blair in 2000, Paul Simon, for what must have been the millionth time, defended himself against being called a musical colonialist. He basically said that he went there on his own, that he wasn't performing and therefore wasn't selling tickets and making a profit, nor that he was taking any money out of the country. But the main point that he drove home was that for those Johannesburg recording sessions, he paid the musicians more than American Union players would have made, and he shared writers' royalties with some of them. Mark Berube also thinks those colonialist accusations don't hold much water, particularly when you take into consideration the collaborations of many Western musicians that bring non-Western music into the spotlight. Mark explains. They drive me nuts. Yeah. Because, you know, if anything, he didn't have to do that in the first place. And it was an honest, it was, it's a very sincere album. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, one of the number one things I get from it. And ladies with Mark Mombazo had a career of 15, 20 years touring around the world that they wouldn't have had without that. Yeah. And think of all the people that Ladies and Black Mombazo, you know, inspired in South Africa now, too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing with the when it's a social club phenomenon. exactly with what Ray Cooter did for them. You know, what Ray Cooter did with Ali Farcature. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of brought Ali Farcature to the Midwest. <laughs> I, I think those people are born into opportunities. We're lucky here, right? Mm-hmm. And we have these opportunities. So I, people that do that, it's just like all the power to you. When describing the music of Mark Berube, it's important to make note of the fascinating lyrical content held within each of his songs. Gathering inspiration from all dark corners of the world, his biography lists the Bible thumpers to the proselytizers of Western greed, from the homelessness and drugs in our cities to the fun and reckless hedonism that can only be found in the downtown core. Those are just a few places that Mark turns for a song. What's particularly interesting, though, about Mark's latest album, What the Boat Gave the River, is that it's an echo or a companion to his 2006 album, What the River Gave the Boat. The liner notes state that each song on What the Boat Gave the River is a sister in either shape, form, content, or mood, song for song and track for track. Mark explains how that all came about. Um, It more or less comes out of a... There was a an album I did that came out in 2005 called Sketches from the Sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a you know, schizophrenic kind of pop album. I wrote most of the songs, I guess when I was 22, 21, around there. Sure. And uh, I got a review in Toronto saying the album was like a pie in the face as your wife of 17 years is leaving you. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I, I love the quote, so I'm not sure what he meant, though. <laughs> but I took it as a kind of, um, it was just stylistically a bit all over the place. And it was, mm-hmm. I'll admit that. Um, I think, it, well, 
I think we all have different opinions on what cohesiveness is anyways. But uh, I just, so I thought, okay, I'm going to try on the next album to try, take it as a challenge and try to do a song that's more cohesive. And I found I had a batch of about 16, 17 songs, and I found there was two kind of clear things or ideas for production for that batch of songs. And I thought, well, you know, got to try everything in life. So I thought, well, why don't I try to do like a a mirror image double sort of thing? And so I came up with the idea of what the river gave the boat being the more stripped back acoustic sort of, uh, I guess what you call it, like almost a pop jazz aesthetic. Right. But pop in the sense of like 60s, 70s. With, you know, vocals really up front. And then another album is a little bit more contemporary, a little more indie indie folk sort mm-hmm. of thing, with the vocals more down and a lot more progressive and dense arrangements. Right. I love those two sounds, and so that's kind of the idea behind the two albums. I just said, well, what the hell? Let's try this out. Here's Minus 17 off What the Boat Gave the River by Mark Berube and the Patriotic View. Scars of their 
was minus 17 off what the boat gave the river by Mark Berube and the Patriotic View. What is our world coming to? I think that's a question that Mark Berube asks himself sometimes, certainly in the track Caulfield Line, which bows its head in homage to old school gospel music. Mark asks the question, or rather the main character in the song asks the question, if the train of progress is really a train that we should be proud of. Probably not, as the character offers to be tied down to the tracks, body and soul, to stop the train. Mark explains. That one, that one mirrors uh, Yebo Mama, which is a song about uh, the king of Swaziland. Oh. And both of those were written completely as a cappella tunes. And uh, so Yebo Mama has like an innate cycle verse and talking about the king. Yebo Mama walking by the river, a bucket on her head. Will she go for a swim today? Go on home instead. Yeah, and this one was at Capella as well. And uh, I just, the idea I had, you know, I grew up with a lot of gospel music, and the train mm-hmm. figures very heavily in gospel music. Isn't that true? Yeah. Especially being, uh, you know, people get ready, you know, that old tune. Yeah. yeah. The train is usually the, the thing that delivers people from, from evil. Be yeah. It heaven or be it to Canada, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. And uh, I wanted to flip that on its end and, you know, what about if we take that in a contemporary society where that train is the train of progress? <laughs> so where does the train of progress actually take us? Mm. And, of course, you know, the debate goes all over the place. Start somehow. This ain't no time for waiting now. This ain't no time to pray. 
As the train comes down the Caulfield line once took the Romans away. So tie me down and strike the Thank you. 
was Mark Berube in The Patriotic Few with Caulfield Line from his 2008 album What the Boat Gave the River. So with our discussion beginning with the train of progress, we quickly moved on to the discussion of what Mark was reading these days. And apparently it's Jared M. Diamond's book, Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed. You know, I'm actually reading, uh, have you heard of that book, Guns, Germs, and Steel? I have read it. You've read it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to stop there for a second and clarify something. Or uh, maybe a better term would be come clean. I was totally lying. I own Guns, Germs, and Steel. I've read the first 10 pages of Guns, Germs, and Steel, but I have not read it in its entirety. Uh, I certainly have intentions to, you know, uh, good intentions, I think. Uh, but I was reading Timothy Finley at the time that I got Guns, Germs, and Steel for Christmas, and I just I just couldn't get into it. Either way, uh, Mark is pretty convincing that maybe I should pick it up again. i a follow-up book by the same guy called Collapse, and it's How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed. It's amazing. I recommend it. I definitely think we're putting way too much pollution up there. That That's a given. But the world also has always moved in cycles. And one thing out of this book, I almost find it very egotistical of us to think that we're going to bring the ruin of the world. Interesting. We're just going to die off. You know, another species will come back. You know, the world will be fine. You know, I'm going to have to agree with him there. So on that note... We're going to end this edition of the Calgary Folk Music Festival podcast series. I've been your host, Kenna Barima. Check us out online at www.calgaryfolkfest.com. And catch our fourth edition of the series with Swedish musician Olav Johansson. Here's one last track from Mark Berube, The Patriotic View, with his 2006 album, What the River Gave the Boat, with Pretty Little Bird, The Saint of Vancouver. Thanks for listening. It hits the ground, it makes a sound It kicks the spit out of this small town But it has a pretty little bird Now the garbage tries to pass as graffiti And there's taxi yellow midnight sunlight There's a neon sign that tells the time And spotlights the petty little crime Seen by a pretty little bird La 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 I'm a pretty, pretty little bird There's a woman haunted by a back alley stalker A shadow walker with a wooden cane She turns around and knocks him down And takes his cane as a crown And blows a kiss to a pretty little bird Now the police car starts to go Pretty little bird They think 
La 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 